0: This is an ABC podcast. I look forward to leading a government that makes Australians proud.
1: This election didn't just change a government; it was a green slide.
2: Safe Liberal seat, two-term incumbent, independent.
1: We need to go
0: back to our values, our principles, look closely at what has happened.
1: Our policies will be squarely aimed at the forgotten Australians in the suburbs across regional Australia.
0: Hi there, and welcome to the Party Room. I'm Patricia Carvallis from RN Breakfast, joining you from Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne.
2: And I'm Frank Kelly on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, joining you from my home this morning, PK, because I've got a terrible, terrible cold. But that aside, PK, this week the Voice to Parliament suffered well potentially a killer blow, really, with the announcement from Opposition Leader Peter Dutton that the Liberal Party will vote no in the referendum for the Voice to Parliament, and he will campaign. On that, no position. The opposition leader said the Libs will vote yes to constitutional recognition for Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander Australians, but no to a voice. It's really a momentous decision in a pretty momentous week for the Liberal Party. And I say that, Piquet, not in a good way, because the week began with that historic loss to Labor in the Aston by election. It's a loss that should, must lead to reflection and change if the Liberal Party is ever to become a political force in this country again. Now, you know, that seems a bit extreme to say that. History tells us that with our two-party system, it will right itself. But right now, the Liberal Party are out of power in every mainland state and territory and in Canberra. And this action, Aston by-election was a loss in the suburban heartland that is supposed to be Liberal territory. So we're going to be joined by Anna Henderson from SBS to take a look at all this. But first, PK, The Voice. Were you expecting this outcome from that pretty hastily convened party room meeting. He called everyone back to Canberra on Wednesday. There were a few surprises for
0: me, and one of them is that it's a binding vote on the front bench. That does surprise me Mm. uh, because it does break with historical practice on the referendum um, for a republic, on the same-sex marriage uh, postal survey, where people were empowered to go it alone. Now, Peter Dutton has made the calculation that... He can defeat this, that they can defeat this, and that they can really cause a lot of political trouble for Anthony Albanese, who has really lent into this as prime minister. Um, and so it's becoming a really partisan thing. Now, let's get to the model. He's talking down the model. He's called it the Canberra voice, which is very deliberate. Uh, it has echoes of the Nationals' line that this is a voice for Redfern again. Actually, the parliament will construct the voice, so it's neither a voice for Redfern or for Canberra or anything because it hasn't been made. But either way, he's making it sound like the elites. It's got sort of hallmarks for me of a lot of US political campaigning, that it's a a voice for Canberra, big end of town, and that they're they're about the grassroots. That's what they're trying to frame Mm. it as. Also, though, if you look at why they came to this position, Fran, there's not a lot of moderates left. I mean, sure, there are some outspoken voices. Bridget Archer, who we've spoken, to Andrew Bragg in the past, but they are really in the minority. I mean, the majority do support Peter Dutton's position, and he does come to this with a very, very vigorous no position, and he's going to campaign on it too. I was surprised by that. I thought he might just kind of busy himself with other issues. Um, I wonder what that is about. If you look at where we're at with the referendum, though, Fran, referendums are hard to get up. The double majority, majority of states, majority vote. Yes, there's a majority of Australians, if you look at the opinion polling that support this, but it's just a majority. This is a really tough one now, isn't it?
2: It is a tough one. Um, I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that the electorate is different today than it was 20 years ago when the last referendum on the Republic was held and was defeated because the major parties don't have the same level of sort of rusted on support that they had then. I mean, at the last election... I think they garnered what about 70% of the primary vote between them. The danger here, I think, is is the one you lent on there that this is a vigorous no from Peter Dutton. He said strongly he will campaign against this. So this really keeps it in the political realm, and I think it'll be a pretty vicious political debate. I'd suggest because you know Peter Dutton's voting no, the Nats are voting no, Pauline Hanson is voting no. There's a danger that this will be quite a vicious antagonistic debate when really victory requires it to be a debate of support and accommodation. And and picking up that point you mentioned too about the Canberra voice, this is new language from Peter Dutton. It's a real echo, yes, I agree with you of what goes on in the US, but also Remember back in the Republic debate, John Howard and Peter Reed started talking about political elites, don't trust the political elites. That's when the support for the Republic really started to take a dive. So I think this is a, a bit of a leaf out of that playbook by Peter mm. Dutton here. The Liberals in the model, they say they will support, they say they support constitutional recognition of First Nations people, but they don't support putting the voice in the Constitution. They will only support local and regional voices. They kept stressing this to be established by legislation. But PK again that takes us right back to where this started with the you know, Uluru Statement of the Heart where there was an exhaustive consultation process amongst Indigenous Australians and they agreed that they were done with legislated representation. They'd had that with ATSIC Mm. set up under the Hawke government all those years ago. John Howard came in and abolished it. They had it with the National Congress of Australia's First Peoples set up 19 years later by Kevin Rudd. Tony Abbott came in and defunded it. So they've been here before with legislated models that can be abolished with the stroke of an incoming government's pen and this model of constitutional recognition put forward by Peter Dutton and the Liberal Party has already been rejected by Indigenous
0: Australians. We're going to park this conversation and revisit it with Anna Henderson, who is our guest in the party room from SBS, and just take you back the Aston by-election loss, first time in over 100 years to have a government win a seat off the opposition and get a pretty handsome swing to them. Now, this is Liberal Party heartland, Fran. This is the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne. These are exactly the people that Peter Dutton claimed this was his new base. Now, this seat, this should not have been hard to win because this is their territory. It is a massive deal to lose your own territory. And he talked about, remember, when he became Liberal leader, actually the forgotten people in the suburbs.
1: Our policies will be squarely aimed at the forgotten Australians in the suburbs across regional Australia the families and small businesses whose lot the Labor Party will have made more difficult.
0: He was talking there about expanding territory, taking territory off Labor. He's just lost his own territory.
2: He has lost his own territory, but he's also, I think, since the Aston loss, redefined who they stand for because he's talked there about people in the outer suburbs. But on the uh, a day or two after losing aston suddenly he's saying and this is a quote much of the government's effort is concentrated on capital cities and we are the party of rural and regional australia well, I think that's news, PK, to a lot of people, a lot of Liberal voters in seats like Kuyong, Wentworth, not to mention Aston and plenty more across all our capital cities who until the last election thought they were the Liberal heartland. This is a real shift of the Liberal Party base and focus by Peter Dutton. It's not a winnable position, PK. You can't win government in Australia if you're not winning seats in our capital cities as well as winning seats in the regions. I just really do not understand... Why the Liberal Party didn't, and Peter Dutton didn't seem to have any answers after the Aston by-election of how they were going to change and how what their new strategy was, because after the election loss last year, they did a post-mortem. That report showed women had abandoned the Liberals and abandoned young voters too. Only one in four millennials voted liberal, professional women PK are one of the fastest growing voter groups as are millennials, voter, what are millennials, 40, 45? Yep. Now we know young voters' top priorities, we know this, are housing, action on climate change, We know they also support The Voice in bigger numbers because all the polls show that. So what have we seen from the Liberals who, since the election loss, are meant to be trying to win back women and professional women and younger voters? We've seen them vote no on the government's climate change policies. We've seen them vote no on the government's housing fund and now no to The Voice without offering much else in their place. So I don't know. Where are the signs that the opposition led by Peter Dutton, have listened to the results of that resounding defeat 11 months ago. I just can't see any signs of it yet. The bigger question, I suppose, is what happens, therefore, to the Liberal
0: brand. Is there enthusiasm to actually do anything here if they don't want to shift to meet the demographic? Uh, So... Where is the Liberal heartland now? The former Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, joined us on breakfast this week. He was pushing for the party to get back to the centre. Yes, you've heard that before. He says that's where voters are. Here's a bit of what he had to
2: say. Well, the base of a political party are the people who habitually vote for you.
1: And what you're seeing is is a larger and larger percentage of the people who habitually used to vote Liberal not voting Liberal. Until the party gets back
2: into the real centre of politics they'll continue to lose. That was former
0: Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, an outspoken critic, to be fair, of the the direction of the Liberal Party since he was um, overthrown. He says that it's it's going to be very difficult for a strong man like Peter Dutton to actually even move the party back to the centre. Now, Peter Dutton, we kept hearing, uh, is pragmatic, is prepared to pivot. And yet on all of the tests and the evidence that we have so far, he has very much taken a Tony Abbott approach to opposition rather than pivoting on some of those
2: key questions. And let's talk about this more with our guest. I think it's a perfect time to bring in Anna Henderson. Let's do it. (laughs) Anna Henderson,
0: Chief Political correspondent and Bureau Chief at SBS. Welcome to the party room, Anna.
1: Hello. Is it too early for a martini? I feel like one's in (laughs) order. (laughs) Anna, this has been, I think it's fair to say, a critical week for the voice to parliament, for the faith Mm. of the
2: voice to parliament, perhaps. The Liberals coming out with a loud no and not just a no but a binding no to their front bench, not even allowing a conscience vote to the entire party room.
1: Why It's interesting to think about the trajectory because there was earlier this week a speech to the press club from Julian Lisa, who was really leaving the door wide open to going in different directions while signalling that same message that the Liberal Party has been pushing all the way through this year, really, that they have grave reservations about what the voice could end up looking like. But there were still some within the Liberal Party room who even I spoke to on Monday who were not sure whether or not and were sort of hopeful maybe there would be more leeway for people to Go their own way, even if they did mm. think that they were uh, very much in the no camp. I think the the reason for the party room meeting uh, this week was multi layered. It was about the opposition leader. I am told going into that room with a position and asking for the MPs and senators to back him in. It was as much about Peter Dutton's leadership and what he wants to frame himself as in the wake of the crushing blow of Aston, Mm. uh, as it was about the voice itself. He's tied up his entire ability to lead in having a strong position on this and a very political one at that. But what's he trying to frame himself as? What, What is that? He's trying to frame himself from what I can gather from sitting in the press conferences and speaking to people on background throughout the week As the champion of the person who lives in the remote Indigenous community, who lives in overcrowded housing, who may have a chronic illness or addiction in their family and for whom he doesn't believe this grouping is going to be representative. And that's where Labor, I think, has left a little bit of a gap that the opposition's managed to exploit around exactly who would be on this voice grouping. I completely understand the reasoning that Labor is giving around. That needs to be done over time in discussion, consultation, as Anthony Albanese has done throughout this process with Indigenous representatives. But it's allowed this perception, the Canberra voice, you know, this claim that it's these academics who are going to be populating this grouping that won't understand, represent or deliver for remote Indigenous communities. That's what Peter Dutton's saying he stands for. And there are some MPs within his party who represent electorates with a very large Indigenous population who back him. They believe he's taking the right decision.
0: As the opposition are pushing for a voice focused on rural and regional areas, not enshrined in the Constitution, but the proposed voice to Parliament recommends uh, that at least 35 local and regional voices be created across Australia. So this is a bit disingenuous, isn't it?
1: And they're already happening. You know, at a state and territory level, there are are groups that are being... Uh, formulated as we speak. There are also groups driven within communities that are already developing. I would still like to hear perhaps from the opposition leader to name exactly who it is that he has had consulting with him in remote Indigenous communities who has called on him to campaign for the no. Mm. Uh, He says that he's heard that directly. How widespread was that view? How many people did he hear Mm. that from? Look, Peter
0: Dutton's announcement that he will actively campaign against The Voice is a real blow for, of course, Indigenous leaders who have been working to get the conservative side of politics on board for such a long time. Now, I spoke to Noel Pearson, who has been working now for 15 years specifically on conservative support. This has been actually quite key to his project. Here he was. I couldn't sleep last night. I was troubled by dreams and the spectre of... The Dutton Liberal Party's Judas betrayal of our country and the decision they've taken um, yesterday is a very poor outcome of 11 years of power. I see the leader of the Liberal Party, Mr Dutton, as an undertaker preparing the grave to bury Uluru quite strong words from Noel Pearson. Uh, Obviously, the Indigenous leadership that want this are pretty heartbroken, but they must have known for a while now, Anna, that they weren't going to get the Liberal Party leaders' support.
1: You know, I have witnessed Noel Pearson trying to convince Liberal leaders and Liberal MPs and Senators for a decade. Standing out in Arnhem Land with Noel Pearson and Tony Abbott when he was Prime Minister, um, when Tony Abbott at that point in time was promising a very different model, but promising a draft question for a constitutional amendment within a matter of weeks. And there's a a picture that I'll just sort of never forget. uh, The two of them standing together, it was a set piece image. And since then, Noel Pearson has continue to come to Canberra and try and have these conversations and try to find a middle path, try to find some way through, be a connection to those people who held these grave concerns. But I think underpinning the reality throughout that process and through many Prime Ministers has been the knowledge that some people within the Liberal Party don't want to see the Constitution change ever Now, I acknowledge that at this point in time, there is support within the Liberal Party for a symbolic constitutional change to recognise Indigenous Australians. But for anything that was real, tangible change, for a long time, it's been quite clear that there was enough conservative right-wing concern that it was very hard to get across the line. We've seen Prime Ministers put it forward and then step back from it as soon as they put it forward, it feels like their leadership has been unstable. And so that is the Mm. legacy. And that stretches right back to John Howard. He was the first one to come up
2: with some kind of symbolic recognition of the first Australians in the constitution, the preamble to the constitution, remember that. And Mm. indeed Noel Pearson has been speaking to Liberal leaders right back uh, to John Howard. That's a long way back. And, And yet we keep coming back to this position. The Liberal Party I think has, in a sense, moved perhaps back from where they were at one point under Tony Abbott, even, I think, to this position today. I mean, as Peter Dutton said quite confidently, he thinks there's very few voices in their party room who will support the voice. And we know that backbencher Bridget Archer is one of them. She's been very open about that. Patricia, when you interviewed her today, we're recording this on Thursday morning, you asked her a number of things, including was she thinking of leaving the party? And she has said she has thought of that, which is quite an admission, I think. Mm. She finds herself so out of step with some of the positions of the party. You also asked her if she has thought the Liberal Party at the moment was a competent alternative government. And this was her answer.
1: No, I don't think so. I think there's all evidence um, to the contrary. You know, I don't think that we have yet learned the lessons from the 2022 election or, of course, most recently, um, evidenced by the Aston by-election. So this uh, decision in relation to The Voice is another example of that.
2: So she made that point, but she also made the point that, you know, the Liberal Party have been in government for 11 years and they didn't fix it. So those grassroots... Voices that, as you said, Anna, Peter Dutton and Susan Lee are talking about people living in remote communities and and suffering terribly up there. I mean, those voices have been there talking to the Liberal Party for 11 years and it wasn't fixed. So I think that's the natural comeback, isn't it, for those who are arguing for a yes vote?
1: It's the central frustration, I think, for those who feel like this is potentially in their grasp, but they need to convince this sort of middle Australia, um, non-Indigenous middle Australia to come on the journey with them, that they are trying to work out how to connect the dots of what people understand to be remote Indigenous community life and you know, the tyranny of dispossession that people like uh, Labor Senator Pat Dodson speak about and what a bureaucratic body that can give advice when asked would be able to do to advance those interests. But what's the alternative that nothing happens? What is the alternative model that the uh, coalition puts up? It's one which is in legislation. And that's a real deal-breaker for those people who've been advancing the Uluru Statement from the heart because what they want to see is it enshrined in the constitution, far more difficult to change Though the structure and a lot of the detail would be in legislation and easier to change, but also the Uluru Statement from the heart was about treaty and truth-telling on the other side of constitutional change. So I've not heard from the Coalition side anyone actually explain how those elements would ever be advanced beyond this legislative idea that they are putting forward. So let's go
0: to Aston. Quite a humiliating defeat for Peter Dutton and there were some theories around that perhaps this was a distraction from Aston, this decision could have been made in the last parliamentary week. It wasn't. They recalled everyone back after
1: Aston. How has Aston framed everything? Well, I think post-Aston there was a fork in the road, wasn't there? There was a way that the Liberal Party might have gone, which is to say, okay, let's accept that it appears the electorate is changing, the demographics are changing, and how people feel about our policy platform and what we stand for has altered. Uh, So we need to move more towards meeting our market in the middle. Or in another direction, which is to say we didn't underscore the values that we stand for and the real difference between us and Labor strongly enough, and we need to start that definition process straight away. But it was put to me as well this week by people inside that party room that they felt that the voice was a reason to meet, but Peter Dutton's stability and a show of support for him as leader on an important issue was a really important optics experience that the party wanted to go through as well um, to show that they were coalescing around Peter Dutton and that it wasn't a situation where we were going to see friction over whether or not he's the right leader at this point in time. So look, Mm. there's possibly many reasons why they held that meeting. It was definitely surprising to people who are very close to the debate uh, that they appeared to fast track that process because even a few days earlier, I was being told, oh, we might wait until about halfway through the committee process. Maybe we want to ventilate some of the concerns and hear from people on the ground in communities. Use that to help explain why we don't want to see the voice go ahead. Uh, But in the end, they decided to really rip off the Band-Aid at that point, and it was Rosie Lewis from The Australians' question that really got to the heart of it yesterday when she asked, will you be actively campaigning against... This referendum. Because up until then, it wasn't totally clear just how strong a position Peter Dutton would take. He said he wanted to be respectful um, in the debate going forward, but um, Noel Pearson is clearly incredibly worried about the toxicity of what could unfold over the coming months. Um, He's clearly worried about uh, this debate about what it is to identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. Uh, and how people Mm. are being depicted as they try to represent Indigenous interests. Um, And that is a very troubling area for a lot of people who are standing up to even report on these issues who might themselves be Indigenous. Um, They also can become a lightning rod for public comment and disaffection, and I really hope we do see particularly people in the media trying to understand this story not at the focus um, of either campaign.
2: And just finally, then Anna, if we try and understand this story in a broader political context, and you know we've been talking this comes in the wake of the Aston by election. you know what Lib- what Liberal Party leader Peter Dutton now faces is the fact that um, the Liberal Party holds now only fourteen federal urban seats out of seventy nine across all of Australia's capital cities, and in Victoria they hold just three, that's if you count the semi urban seat of La Trobe. So they don't hold many seats. And yet Peter Dutton seems to be sort of almost writing Victoria off. He says, you know, Victoria's been going away from the Liberal Party since John Howard's time in office. The woke but latte sippers, yes, friend. <laughs> well, Victoria's on track to become Australia's largest state in terms of population. You can't just surrender Victoria, can you? No, no but you go more regional.
0: But, that, but there's not enough seats if you go more it's regional. True. There's just not it's enough true. seats. Numbers, mm. maths, pretty yep.
1: basic maths too. John Howard says it's always the arithmetic and do the arithmetic. I think there is a, a mood within the Liberal Party and in the National Party that there are seats on the fringes of Australia's cities that are increasingly going to feel disaffected and not have enough services and look elsewhere for their political representation. And so they're banking on those sort of suburban rumps to switch. Whether or not that happens is really uh, a matter for how this political process is played. I guess we'll have to wait and see if the Liberal Party thinks that they are gaining traction. No doubt they're doing a lot of polling at the moment um, to try and see what the outcome of this stronger positioning from them uh, is likely to be.
0: Anna, thanks for letting us pick your brain and, and lovely to spend some time with you. Have a great Easter. Uh, you guys too. It's a pleasure. Anytime.
1: We'll move to questions without notice. We'll give the call to the Leader of the Opposition. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. My question is to the Prime Minister. Order.
0: And our question is from Douglas in Perth. Hi, Douglas. Hi, Perth. I have been hearing a lot about the role of Chinese Australians in our elections and the strategies politicians are using to court these communities. As Australia becomes more diverse, will the migrant vote become a greater part of political life? Will our next Prime Minister be won and lost on the ability to sway an ethnic community? I'm excited to see what an ever more multicultural Australia would like. Now, Douglas, I have to say, yes, the Chinese community absolutely is a very big co but we've been dealing with migrant cohorts that governments and oppositions have been trying to appeal to for many decades now, including my own community. Um, I have seen at many a Greek festival uh, an opposition leader or a prime minister or a premier, or a, you know, this is not this is not new territory. This is what they do, and, and so they should. These people are voters. Yeah. But the Chinese vote is a particularly interesting one because of the tensions around this debate, Fran. Right.
2: Uh, Yeah, it is. The Chinese community voted strongly for Labor at the last federal election, and the messaging coming out from that community was they felt that the then government, the Morrison government's rhetoric, was anti them. Was not just anti China, but anti them, and they felt that, and they didn't like it. Now, the Labor government has started to, you know, build bridges back out of the freezer with China. That's something perhaps, but also, perhaps, um, I think Penny Wong, as foreign minister, has adopted a different tone to towards uh, china and not not an appeasing tone at all but a different tone and uh there was a significant vote from that community for labor we can anticipate i think in that election result over the past two decades though around three million migrants have settled in australia and so yes it's it's true douglas you're right the the parties that do best with representing those groups i wouldn't say just courting them but representing them you know will get their support and that will be a significant part of their base. John Howard took a big step in trying to court the Chinese population in Australia because he had alienated them earlier with comments he'd made as opposition leader. He talks about Asian immigration. He walked those comments back very publicly and very determinedly, And he did very well in courting the Chinese vote. But that has since moved away. Now, a long time liberal scratch their head and say, these should be our voters. And it's yet to be seen, I suppose, what Peter Dutton's going to do to try and win the back.
0: Labor people were saying on the voting booths in Aston that the reset or the stabilisation, the different language with China of the new Albanese government was actually being noted among that community and that it's it's worked in their favour. And so perhaps some of that really hairy-chested language around China, therefore spilling into the community sentiment, was still playing out in that electorate, which does have a sizeable proportion of Chinese-Australian voters. Look, keep sending your questions in because they're great to engage with. We're especially fond of the voice notes, which you can email to the party Room at abc.net.au. And, of course, you can find that email in the show notes in case you missed it.
2: Perfect. That's it for us this week. Happy Easter to all who celebrate. hope the bilby comes to you. If you're only in it for the hot cross buns and the Easter eggs, well, I hope you have an absolute windfall this Easter. Mm-hmm. Have a great few days. We've got a separate Greek Easter, so that means I get um,
0: double Easter, which is always my favourite years. There's not There's not enough to have one Easter.
2: See you, friend. See you, Pika. Happy Easter.
1: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.